Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. What's up, guys, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm Frankie. And I'm Alex. And together we are FNA Van Life. This is the show where every week we bring you news from the nomadic community or interviews with other nomads so that you can know what it's really like to live life on the road. And we want to know from you guys if this is the number one van life podcast. We think it is. Were we on some list we're, recently? We're kind or? of biased, but <laughs> we definitely think it is. Um, yeah, we were on some type of list that I think we were number one for van life and for travel. So, whoop, whoop. so thank you everybody who listens every week. We're so grateful for you. We're so glad that you enjoy the content. We're so glad for everybody who leave the five star review on wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, it's just really nice to know that we're building a community here, and it's so nice to hear from you guys, whether it's in the reviews or in a DM on Instagram or something like that. We get DMs all the time about people who, like, they just bought their van, and it's so exciting. So we're happy to bring you all this news and information so that you can, you know, have the best van life experience ever. Yes, yeah, I definitely agree. And this is one of my favorite episodes this week. We are actually going to be doing the news for the month about van life, and I'm super excited about this because this always, like, it gets my gears turning, you know what uh-huh. I mean? It gets it gets me, my blood pumping, and I get very passionate about van life, and I think Alex does, too. Yeah, and it's cool to see that so many other people are talking about it and thinking about it, and some of the articles today are international, and so it's making its way all the way around the world. You know, this isn't just a you know, a local thing or like a fringe group of people. I mean, if you guys saw any of the pictures or anything from Palooza, you know that there's a lot of people living this lifestyle. Yeah, and there might be more every day coming into it. Yeah, there's some people going out of it and leaving the lifestyle. It, you know, we only thought we were going to do it for one year. It's been over three years now, which is just mind-blowing. But it goes to show that there's a part of this lifestyle that will always have in us, you know, and uh, I'm really excited for the future and what's to come. And I wonder, does the van life ever really leave you? Because we've met so many people who like, you know, oh, I used to live in a camper or I lived in a camper for a summer and they have such fond memories of it and they tell us all these great stories about it and they totally get what we're doing and we get why we're doing it. Mm-hmm. And like, so they're still like in that van life mentality of like loving van life and they totally get it so i'm not, i don't know if you ever really like leave van life pacos are going to get a little bit crazy during this episode too uh we've been driving quite a bit a little quick update from the road we're making our way back towards the united states um we've already no. made it as far north as mexico uh and our central america amazingness has uh finally come to an end and i think maybe in the new f- in the the future, we'll probably start to do some episodes all about our travels and kind of tell stories within Central America, within Mexico, within all the different things that we've been doing uh, throughout van life, because I think that would be exciting to hear, like, all the lifestyle. 
yeah, I'm totally down for that. And I think it's going to be really cool to put together like our top favorites and things like that or must visit places. Um, we got a lot of content to get through still. But this week right now is kind of like, for me, the worst bit of van life. The like when you're just driving to drive to get somewhere like the way down was super enjoyable and we spent like a month in every single country, four months in Mexico. And so we were moving really slow and every town was a new adventure. Um, but now we're just crushing and we've done a couple of these cross country road trips before where like, you know, we were in. Oregon and we're like oh my god we need to be in Ontario in like five days like let's go as Alex talks about this it's making me want to lay down because I just realized that I drove probably about 12 to 15 hours today which is kind of nuts it's thinking about long. it because we, we don't normally drive like this we just we never we have drive a, like this. we have a deadline kind of to get back to the states and it's not it's a deadline that we've <laughs> created and uh so we also want to be able to have a chance to kind of hang out in Baja a little bit. And then make it back for some of snowboard season. So we're on a little bit of a tighter deadline this time around. And we kind of, we knew that going yeah. down. Um, but so it's one thing to know it. And then it's another thing to actually do it. And then to spend the day being like, okay, we filled up gas in the morning. Okay, we're filling up another tank. Okay, we, we've paid so much money in toll roads in Mexico. It's like... I think we're like over $700 right now. In, in fuel. Like in just fuel from all the way from Panama to where we are now, which isn't too terrible when you think about it. From Panama City, Panama, all the way to like basically the middle of Mexico. Yeah. And we've only spent $700 in fuel. Yeah, but it seems that the fuel is getting more expensive. I guess our most expensive tank was in Costa Rica at $112. But yeah, the Mexico tanks have been pricey. And I don't know. It just kind of like hurts the pocketbook when all you're doing is just driving, driving, driving. And then spending money on gas, spending money on tolls, spending money on shitty food. Like, it just... I don't know. It doesn't have the, like, luxurious van life that we're kind of used to. And before we jump into the news, like, we want to kind of give you an idea. Like, this is our lifestyle and the way that we make our money as well. So for us to be able to get, like, brand deals and sponsorships uh, down in Central America and Mexico has been a lot harder because we can't, like, receive a physical product. So it makes it a lot harder for us to be able to do these type of deals. So, you know, we're, we're kind of hurting a little bit on the cash end, but, you know, we'll make it happen. We'll be okay. Yeah, but if you do want to support the show, becoming a Patreon is a really great way to do that. Every little bit helps, and we're so grateful for our Patreon community. And if you want the full episode of this episode without any of the ads or breaks in between and the full story on each of the stories, be sure to come and join us over there. And if you don't want to go that far, remember there's also memberships available here on Spotify or on Anchor where we upload our podcasts. You could you could become a member and you could select the amount of money that you want to put into it. We really appreciate it. If it's an easier step for you, we totally appreciate it. Or we just have uh, Venmo or Cash App or PayPal. Yeah. Not yeah. that we're canvassing for donations or anything. No, but we'll put it in the link but in the description. <laughs> if you appreciate the information that we've given you, you know, it's always appreciative to get something back in return. For sure. Okay, so let's dive into the news. We want to give you guys all these hard-hitting facts. So, the first one is actually really interesting. It's coming all the way from New Zealand. And so, basically, the government in New Zealand is talking about implementing a new law for van lifers. So, the article is called Bogged. 
the toilet laws that could spell the end of the road for New Zealand's van lifers. Ooh, that sounds rough. Travelers who enjoy the simple and, freedoms... And also kind of shitty. <laughs> uh, travelers who enjoy the simple freedoms of their humble van face a major roadblock in the form of legislation requiring a fully plumbed toilet. Okay, so what Alex and I were talking about were like, what does that, you know, have to be? Can it be a compost toilet? Because it doesn't really say, but if it has to be fully plumbed, then I'm guessing they want like a full, you know, water in the toilet. Like black tank Like a black situation, tank. Which honestly feels more disgusting. It is definitely it, more disgusting. Yeah, and then you have to have these pump stations and things like that. I'm sure they probably have an infrastructure sure, for that already. But it's like... Now you have to go and dispose of this black water and deal with all of that. But I wouldn't disagree with the fact of like having a toilet in your in your van. But here's the thing. What if you're a car camper? You know what I mean? Like a lot of people in New Zealand, I'm sure, too, car camp. Right. And these are also people that might be, you know, contributing to this this waste in a sense, you know, like the problem with, you know, maybe peeing on the side of the road or pooping in the middle of wherever, right? you know? And, and so maybe just having some type of, you know, bags. I did see recently, uh, I don't know exactly where it was, but there was like, uh, I think Sean and Jess actually showed it crux and beta. Um, there was like a national park that had these bags that if you were going to take a poop, you'd take the bag with you and you'd poop into that, and then you'd dispose of it properly at the National Park. DTB. Yeah, direct to bag. But hey, you know what? At that point, at least you're keeping a clean situation happening. If you don't mm -hmm. want people digging and pooping, then at least they're able to get rid of the bag, and it's the proper type of bag to seal and hold, you know, the... the... It's basically like poop and scooping for your dog, but for a human. Correct. Yeah, correct. What's and the I, difference? I thought that was a pretty good idea. Maybe what if you had some type of system like that? That way, you're not forcing people to spend a ton of money on something that, like, maybe they can't afford or they can't fit in their van. Sure. So basically, the problem began five years ago when a series of local media reports had stories of people, tourists, defecating on their berms and beaches. The story prompted an outrage at freedom campers and made a political target. Um, this is a quote. They pull over to the side of the road and they shit in our waterways, the minister infamously said in 2020, calling for a total ban on camper vans without a self-contained toilet. It's not who we are as a nation. It's not part of our global band. And I don't think it's sort of the tourists that New Zealand wants. So I think probably a lot of the van life in New Zealand would be people who fly in, rent a camper van, mm. do the loop of New Zealand, you know, maybe spend a couple weeks, yeah. a couple months, return the camper van to the company and call it a day. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Well, do you think that's based on education then? Like the people that are coming in, the tourists that are coming in, you know, they, they're being sold this like van life thing on Instagram, but they're not being taught like, hey, 
you know, in van life, you're still going to have to poop because you're a human, right? And if you are a human, you can also take that waste and dispose of it properly. Right. Well, I think a lot of people just generally aren't educated about leave no trace principles, Mm -hmm. which is kind of unfortunate and probably should be something that we teach just like in schools generally, like as part of the curriculum. Um, Well, just for a cleaner environment. Yeah. And just like for people to understand like what it is to be in nature and what that responsibility is as a human being, you know, Mm -hmm. to keep it beautiful for other people. Because we've definitely been in campsites, not really in Mexico. Or in Central America. I'm trying to think. Well, I could think about one thing in Central America and Mexico that you don't really see in the States. Everybody pissing on the side of the road. Not everybody. Well, men. Me- men. Yeah, men, mostly. I mean, I'm sure you there'll be women doing it, too, but they'll, like, go behind a tree or something. I have not seen a single woman walking the Walk of Shame at all yeah. in Central America. It's but a bunch of men. Men will on. pee anywhere. Yeah. Literally anywhere. And it's not... A problem, and they just pull over wherever they want, and they just pee wherever they want. They usually try to put their back towards oncoming traffic so that people can't see their willy. And I'm not gonna say that I'm not I'm perfect because I've definitely done this, and I've actually peed in a situation where like kind of peed on the street, which isn't really proper. You know, like uh, like when we were in an Oregon video that we did, there was one time where I was like going to pee on the side, but I couldn't hold it, and like as I'm going, I like peed on the street a little in front Make of the van. excuses. But no, but what I'm saying is at the time, the education that I had on it really wasn't there. So like you were saying earlier, like we need to be taught these things or learn these things as we go. We're always trying to improve as people. And like, I'm not, I'm not going to say that. Like I said, I'm not going to say I'm perfect. So, you know, I, I made mistakes and it's okay to admit that you've made mistakes and then move on and just don't do that again. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting because throughout Central America, I haven't, there's obviously a garbage problem and we've seen so much trash all over the place. Some countries are better slash worse than others. Some regions better slash worse than others, but there's definitely a garbage at the side of the road problem. But none of the campsites that we've been to have had a human waste problem. No. No, not that I can remember. Whereas in the States, we've definitely pulled into national parks. We've definitely pulled into, like, boondocking spots that humans have turned into disgusting toilets. Yeah, it's, like, littered with toilet paper and poop on the ground. Remember that one place where somebody just, like, filled a bucket with shit and then left the that bucket That was in Washington in the beautiful place that we loved, but unfortunately... So many people have ruined that spot. Oh, my God. I'm, like, afraid to even go back there. I don't think we Remember would ever we, even try We went back there a second time in the spot that we, Well, like, we went there once, and we spent a whole week there. Yeah. And it was amazing and yeah. beautiful. But we, that's when we went over and saw the bucket at the other campground. Ah. Uh, yeah, and then, then the second later, time, a year later, we went back there, and there was a whole entire, like, vehicle blown up there. It had just been, like, lit on fire, and then every remnant from it was still there, and all the garbage was all around it, just, like, flowing into the river. It was the saddest thing And then we drove even further back, and we found, like, abandoned, like, big RVs in spots where they probably shouldn't have been. And it was just kind of crazy, you know, the stuff that we were seeing. Mm -hmm. But so, again, it's an example of, like, a few people suck and make bad choices and do disgusting things and then all the other people who don't suck get punished for the ones that do 
So we have to not only lead by example, but if we see this stuff going on, we need to like tell them, yo, don't don't do that. Like, you know, listen, this is how you got to do it because otherwise you're going to ruin it for everybody. You know, you don't have to be a a complete asshole about it, but you could just be like, yo, listen, we don't want you to ruin the camping for us. Like, so just like have some respect and think about, think about what it is that could happen to everybody else's opportunity of being able to be out here. So I have a really good example. It doesn't have anything to do with defecating, but we were at a natural hot spring the other day, a couple of weeks ago, and it was this beautiful river, like the whole river was warm and it was really nice and it was quite busy because it was the only free one in town. And we're sitting there having a good time. And then these um, folks, I believe they were British. Yeah. They were a bit younger, and they're all chatting, and we hear, heard them say something about, like, you know, we don't have things like this in the UK. Like, can you like can you imagine that the water's just hot? Like, this is so weird. Like, so they'd never been to a hot spring before. And what we see is them, like, they're drinking alcohol. Which so. is fine. Like, go for it. But they're drinking alcohol out of glass bottles. Which is a huge no-no when it comes to hot springs. But, you know, we're not going to say. We're just, you know, they'll be smart, we'll be smart, whatever. But then the kid puts the empty beer, glass beer bottle up on a rock and then starts throwing rocks at it to, like, knock it over. And I think, luckily, that he was drunk, so he missed. And then I turn and I say, yo, excuse me, don't do that. Like, and, and, like, you know, caught him off guard a little bit. And I was like, because if you break it and then it falls and somebody else has an opportunity of getting really hurt from that. Like, and getting cut from that glass. So, you never bring a glass bottle into a hot spring, first of all. Second of all, definitely don't throw rocks at it. But immediately, he was like, oh, I, you know, oh my god, I'm so sorry. I and didn't even, even think about it. Didn't even it. think that that would be a problem, but now I could definitely see that. So, normally, you'll get, like, a pretty decent response, but there's going to be people that might, you know, don't try... Don't get into a war about Yeah, exactly. It, you know? Don't fight the person, but, you know, <laughs> obviously, try to educate. Yeah. So, okay, back to this article. Um, basically, they're saying the government has been so far removed by the plight of the small van lifers, because the small vans who, you know, the Astro vans or the little campers mm-hmm. or the, you know, the ones with the, uh, you know, more of like a tent camping. Yeah, yeah, or like, or like a, a pickup truck, yeah. Kind of, so they're basically saying, like, I can't fit a toilet in my camper van. And the government is saying, well, there's hundreds of campgrounds and campsites, and they'll gladly welcome all travelers, no matter what type of vehicle you have. Yep. So that makes me think, you can't, so if you don't have a full toilet, you can't wild camp. But that's so then is somebody, uh, the police, the National Park Services, something, going to come up to each vehicle that's camped, knock on the door, and say, hey, show me your toilet. Inspection. Toilet inspection. Yeah. I mean, even if you had like a glorified bucket, like a $5 bucket, you know what I mean? And you put a bag in it and you put dirt in it and you do all the right things and you and you make it to where it's disposable in the right way. That's all you have to do. Like, I, th- I think that's what they're trying to get at. And, you know, even if the law doesn't pass, I think that people should still take priority in you know, making sure that they handle it properly. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting because this article has no mention of composting toilets or incinerating toilets. The type or, of toilet. Yeah, like it just says fully plumbed, which again is kind of just like the whole black tank situation. So if I go and spend, you know, a $1,000 on a fancy composting toilet, 
Is that not sufficient? I mean, it should be, but, you know, it depends on who wrote this article and what really they, the understanding of what the toilet situation is. Right. Or you'd have to, like, look at the legislation and be like, okay, what are they considering a fully plumbed I think, I think maybe the Like wording, a fully contained that's, toilet? That's the word. Or are they thinking about plumbing like a house? Because probably the legislators and the people writing these laws have no idea no. what a toilet in a camper van is like. Yeah. So they're just saying, oh, it needs to be fully plumbed like a house. It needs to work like a house and that's it. But then you basically are taking the many other toilet options off the table and saying you just need a black tank and you need a, you know, with like... So maybe if you are listening and you live in New Zealand and you're aware of this, maybe dig in a little deeper and send us a message on what they mean by a toilet in the van. Or a fully plumbed toilet. Yes, correct. We'll have every single article in the link in the description below, so make sure to educate yourself and read each article if you want to know more about it. The next one is from The Herald, and it's called Van Life Goes Green with First Zero Emission Camper Van. So this is the... Toyota Pro Ace from conversion camper company Campervan Co. in Scotland. So I absolutely love this idea. Like, I think that electric camper vans are definitely the thing of the future and something that we should all consider. Now, the problems that I have with this before we get into this article is just like the mileage, the ability to go far enough in the camper van. And number two... If you want to hear the full breakdown of this particular news article and the entire episode ad-free, come on over and join our Patreon account. For a small donation every month, you help keep us on the road and you get so much behind-the-scenes content. We can't wait to see you guys over there. Okay, this next article is really cool because I think it highlights one of the many, many, many ways that van lifers can be adaptable on the road, not necessarily make money, but figure out how to extend their travel and do it in a really budget-friendly way. And we have some friends who do this, actually, um, so we're really excited to talk about it. This is from Insider. The article is called, These Van Lifers Stay in Scenic Mansions for Free as Traveling House Sitters. Here's Mm. how. We tried this. It didn't work out for us. (laughs) And you have to pay a decent amount of money to get started. Well, so on the one website that we went on... Well, we'll get into that in a little bit. But anyways, this couple, um, they basically started traveling. They got married after never meeting each other and meeting on TikTok, which is an interesting choice. But anyways, um, they decided to live in a van, which seems like going from like zero to 100. But you know what? It will definitely test your relationship and like know if you're right for each other. Right. So anyways, they decided that... They found the website Trusted House Sitters app, um, which is $127 for the basic sitter package, um, where you can book unlimited house sits worldwide. So as they road trip around the country, um, they basically, you apply for the house sitting positions, and you may or may not get accepted to them. Um, But then when you're there, you can stay in this beautiful house and enjoy, you know, some luxury, like say they're saying here, you know, it was 105 degrees in Texas, so they got um, a trusted house sitter in Texas so they could have air conditioning and they could have a pool and like, you know, relax and not yeah. be worried about the heat. I think that sounds great. Mm-hmm. Um, other things, you know, in terms of cost savings, like, yeah, you're not getting paid to house it and you did pay $127 a year, but for the two weeks, 
month that you're house sitting, you're not spending any money on gas. Your expenses are a lot lower. You've got laundry. You've got you you know, space. showers. You've got all these luxuries. And you get to have it, you know, for the cost of pet sitting or house sitting. Mm-hmm. And you'll be in a beautiful place and they might even offer you some whatever's in the fridge. You never know. You never know what you might get out of it. And mm-hmm. you might even get a new friend from it. Yeah, and we have some friends. Um, Not Lux Van Life does this a fair bit. And, and some couple other people that we know on the road. I think quite your adventure used to do a little bit of that too. Yeah, for sure. And so it's like a, it's a cool way to... Especially if you prefer, like, slow travel. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you want to, like, be in an area for a while and, like, relax and, like, get to know that spot. Another way you could do something like this but also get paid by doing it is become, like, an Airbnb host and then, like, you know, run some type of social media stuff for them. I think that's another way that you could do it. An Airbnb host? Yeah, you could be an Airbnb host. So, like... There's, like, people that own the house, and they have the Airbnb, but they don't have the time to be around or, you, you know, like a promote it. Correct. You're more like a manager, but it but it's called Airbnb, like, host. Mm, I don't know if that's the right word, because the host is the host. Look it up. What was that, Frank? Hold on. I, I think I got the word wrong. I think Alex is right. You a thousand percent got the word wrong, because the Airbnb host is the person who owns the home or the property or whatever, and they are hosting you to stay at their property. I think it's the host assistant is what it is. Maybe. I don't know what that is. Or like a manager or An assistant like helps the primary host manage their experience. Their name, photo, bio won't appear on the experience page, and they won't be able to lead guests on the experience. Guests rated and reviews will not appear on their individual Airbnb profile. So that doesn't actually say what they Come are, though. Um, it's interesting, though, because we do know a couple people who will reach out to Airbnbs in the area that they want to stay and show them their portfolio and say, hey, I noticed that your photos on Airbnb could use some updating you know, this is what we do and this is who we are. And if you allow us to stay on your property for X amount of days, we'll provide you with a full new set of photos and videos to market your property. So it's actually called a co-host. <laughs> <laughs> it says uh, Airbnb co-host fees can vary significantly based on their responsibilities, the size of the property and where they are located. On average, Airbnb co-hosts charge about 10 to 20% of the nightly rate without cleaning the rental property. But then is that something that you could just show up to a random town and say, hey, I'd like to be your co-host? No, I think you would build a virtual business, say, like, I'm uh, I'm a co-host for Airbnbs or I'm becoming a co-host for Airbnbs. I could help, um, you know, promote your Airbnb through my, you know, Instagram and blah, 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 blah. Mm. Or you might just manage their bookings and things like you that. You could do like, that too as well. If you don't want to handle would, any of the you stuff. Add that into the package of like being a social media manager for it as well. Maybe, yeah, or not, because social media management sucks. Unless yeah. you love that, in which case, go for it. But I think, uh, you know, it would be cool to just like talk to the people, make the bookings. Mm-hmm. Basically, you're like the front desk of the hotel. But for an Airbnb. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's another way to do it is to become a co-host. But then that doesn't let you stay places. That's just like a no, virtual job. No, that's the way to make money. Right. Yeah. So, anyways, this... So, for us, Trusted House Sitter did not work out. 
the thing that we found kind of misleading about the whole thing was that we went online and we were looking at it um, not as people who had paid for it yet. And we were seeing all of these listings for Central America. Potentially is the word that they used after. Well, so what happened is that we were looking and we were seeing these places and we were in Costa Rica or Panama and we wanted somewhere to stay for the Christmas holidays. We were in Nicaragua and we were looking it up, knowing that we were going to Costa Rica within the next month. Right. And so we were looking for somebody or somewhere that we could just stay for an extended period of time. And we're on the website and there's so many listings in Costa Rica and Panama. And we're like, okay, so we could just like apply for all of these, and then surely one of them will pick us. Like, you know, it's going to happen, right? So anyways, we decide to spend the $127. We sign up. We create a profile. I spend all this time, like, you know, putting in photos of us and pictures and bio and info and blah, 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 because you can't, like, apply for any of these house sits unless, you know, if you have a totally blank profile and you apply for something, nobody's going to pick you. Yeah. So anyways, I do all this stuff, and then I'm looking, and there's, like, two listings in all of Central America that are available. (laughs) And uh, those two listings, you weren't allowed to have a dog. You weren't allowed to bring your own dog. you also had to have at least three reviews. So where do you even start? (laughs) Yeah, it was so ridiculous. It was like, and I applied to the one who said that you needed, um, like, experience, and I kind of said, you know, we don't have experience, but, like, you know, we're trust, trustworthy, reliable people and blah, 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 like trying to like sell myself. We did not get the job. And the other thing that was kind of a bit odd about it was that like, you know, I guess you're giving away a little bit of your advocacy and freedom in terms of like dates because, you know, they're the ones booking the travel plan. So they choose when they come and go. You're also giving up a little bit in terms of like exactly where you want to be because, you know, if you're like... If there's only one listing in the entire country for the time that you want to be house-sitting, you don't have any choice of where it is. I do believe that this type of industry is probably way more relevant in the United States than it is in Central America. I'm sure that there's plenty of stuff down in Central America, but just not what we could find. But in the United States, I'm sure it's in a lot of different places. I think you would just have to be a little bit more, like, moving slowly in general. And open-minded. And, like, looking at it all the time. Like, say you were just, like, bumping around Colorado for a bit, for example, and you look and there's, you know, a couple of listings. You apply for all of them. Maybe you don't get it. Then another one pops up and you apply for it. But so you're still in Colorado and you're still moving. So, like, maybe you end up spending two weeks in Colorado and then you finally get a thing, and then that thing is for three more weeks. You know, like, it's, it's you don't have the same advocacy over your, where you want to be and what you want to do, which I yeah. think for Frankie and I kind of became the sticking point of it all, because it, we have so many plans of, like, we have to be here at this time, and we have to be there, and we got to go here, and we're meeting these people here, and so, like, trying to fit a house sit into In that... You know, if we could just snap our fingers and be like, okay, we're free from the 8th to the 16th, and we're going to be in this town, and here's a listing. Yeah, that would be amazing. But it doesn't work like that. (laughs) No. But so for some people, it's a really great option, and they love it. And so we have heard a lot of really good stories about it. And I think, I mean, in my mind, it would be a really cool thing, and I would love to do it. But I just don't think it's going to work out for us. And I was actually so bummed out by the whole, like, 
you know, like they showed all these properties and then I reached out to them and their support. And I was like, Hey, like what happened? And they were like, Oh, well, when you're looking at it as not a user, you're only seeing like all of the like potential listings that have ever been listed. So it's like, you're seeing every single listing that has ever been listed ever. Cause that might, that listing might become available again. So, but we thought it was BS because they should have showed us the ones that were available. So that way, like when we signed up, we were like, we, we know that we could get these jobs possibly. Right. You know, like they still have to accept it once you submit your request to be the house sitter. So uh, there's a chance that they deny you anyway. So just like, I think that being more transparent about it from this website would have been really uh, a better feeling for us. So anyways, we asked for our $127 back, and we got it, which was great. So, In that uh, case, that's good. Yeah. The house-sitting thing didn't necessarily work out for us, but it can be a very good thing. So if it's something that you're into and it sounds, like, cool to you and would check a lot of your boxes, definitely check it out. Mm-hmm. This next article is from The Conversation, Why Some People Choose to Live the Nomadic Van Lifestyle. So this is interesting. It's a survey that was done by some researchers, and they interviewed a bunch of nomads, only 85, which seems kind of small. I wonder if you, like, went to an event like Schoolie Palooza and you had, like, an iPad with the questionnaire or whatever, and you just, like, went to every single person and, like, asked them to fill it out pretty quick. You could get, like, a thousand responses. You could probably get 10,000 responses. Yeah, like, I think that would be really cool, because then you could get... You could ask, like, a ton of questions and just get, like, a like a good vibe on, like, you know. <laughs> Remember on a AOL, people would be like, what's your ASL? Like, age, sex, location? Oh, uh, I don't remember that. Oh, like, that would be like, yeah, tell me your ASL. I mean, I, you... normally we would, like, know that. <laughs> but so... if it was, like, a new person, I don't know, you're like... <sighs> I'm 14. I'm a girl. And I don't know. Like, the way I used AOL or AIM even would be like with the people that I already knew. Like, it would never be outside people. Sometimes it would be outside people. No. Maybe more like, um, uh, what was the longer one? Not AOL, but it was like another chat. I can like see what it looks like in my head. MySpace? No. Okay, anyways, we're way off topic. But, so, these people interviewed 85 respondents, 53% were women, 47% were men, so a little bit more women. The average age was 42 years old, so in addition to young people living in their vehicles, there was an equal proportion of retirees choosing to live in their vans. Okay, so they broke down the 12 different reasons... Why people choose to live in their vans. All Can right. you guess number one? Number one, freedom. Easy. Um, number two. Number two, freedom. <laughs> um, mm, wanting to, money, wanting to, or wanting to travel. Yeah. So number two is the low cost of living. Mm. So maybe a lot of people sell their home, they get rid of all these big expenses, and now they have the low cost of living in a van. Number three is adventure. Adventure, yeah. So going to new places. Number four is connecting to nature. Yep. So just being in the great outdoors. Number five is minimalism. Six, avoiding undesirable weather. We know mm. a lot of people who do that. The whole, like, chasing 70 crowd. Yeah, I, I'd say it's probably... 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I mean, there's a lot of younger people doing it now, but I would say a lot more of the retirees would be chasing the 70. Mm-hmm. But then it's interesting, too, because, like, undesirable weather might be too, too hot. hot in the winter yeah. when you want snow. Yeah, you know, agree. So you can really just find the weather that you want. Yes. Um, number seven, starting a new life. Hmm. It's interesting. You're just like, screw this old life. I'm getting well, a new one. I mean, I guess we kind of did that with the nine to five jobs. Yeah, quitting our jobs and yeah, we, you know, actually, you're right. We did start. A new yeah, life. yeah. Number eight, pursuing work in different places, which was also kind of what we did. We wanted yeah. to get out of New York City. We were ready to move. We were ready to go. We just. Found work in the sense of digital nomad. Which is number nine, working remotely. Yep. Number 10. To get our full take on this article, go check out our Patreon. Not only are you going to get the full article with no ads, but you're also going to get up-to-date posts on where we are in the world and where we're going in van life. So please, drop a small donation, and we can't wait to see you over on our Patreon. Uh, if they expanded beyond that and they got 100,000 surveys you get a better understanding for how many people are actually full-time still and how many people are part-time. Yeah, I wonder. And again, it's kind of like it's like half making me want to put this big survey together and then half making me think, oh my gosh, that's a lot of work. So if you're sitting out there and you're like, oh, I'm very curious and I would like to know these things, maybe you want to work together with us on this project and we can figure out, we'll be happy to like send it to everybody and blah, blah, blah. But like, That'd be cool. if you know how to like put data together and find statistical averages and blah, 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 we can get people to fill it out, but we need somebody else to run it. Yeah. And also write it up. <laughs> so anyways, I think it's just really cool to know that there's, a larger van life community out there, all ages, all races, all genders, um, you know, who are really embracing the lifestyle. It's very much a lifestyle that is open to anybody from any walk of life. And, you know, if van life events like Schooly Palooza and others like it aren't an indication of like how great the community is and how, you know, strong and powerful and like yeah, you're probably not going to vibe with every single person at the van life event. Sure. But you'll find your own tribe within yeah. the tribe, you know? Yeah. And that's the whole point. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. And I think that the lifestyle is still growing, even though, it, like, there was a point where it was growing at a exponential rate, you know, during the beginning of the pandemic. But, you know, that doesn't mean that it hasn't hit its actual peak yet. Well, you it's know? interesting because I keep seeing that, like, you know, the housing crisis, the housing crisis, ah, it's coming. And then, so who knows, if that does happen, you might see a lot more people on the road who, you know, maybe had that camper van already and then just decided, you know, or had to make it their full-time thing. Yeah. Either that or the market has to drop out. Yeah. One or the other. Yeah, I don't know what the answer is. Would you sell your house first or would you sell your van first? 
I mean, I think that I would probably sell a house because you get more value out of a house, like in the sense of selling real estate, right? Like just to have like the cash in your pocket. Yeah. And then live out of the vehicle for the time being until the rates drop way low and then you could buy something else because you should still be working at that point. Yeah. I Hopefully. Don't know. You lose your job. If you lose your job. The market crashes. Well, it's better to sell your house than to lose your house. I'll say that much. That's probably really true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like uh, I'll, I'll say this much. When I was a kid, my, my dad um, and my mom, they inherited a house from my mom's dad. And that house today would be worth probably close to $650,000, if not more. And when they got it, it was basically like a gift. They put $10,000 into the house and then lost the house because of that $10,000. Oh, they took out a loan for $10,000. On the house. Interesting. Didn't pay it back and lost the house. Imagine if they had a whole mortgage on it. But imagine if they would have sold the house. Paid that $10,000 off and then still had money. But, But what I'm saying is even if they would have just kept up on that payment and like paid the 10 grand, whatever, but then would have been able to sell the house now. Right. That would be six hundred and fifty thousand dollars in their pocket, or more. Tight or more. Buddy. Or more. We don't know what was going on but, with them at the time. But what I'm saying, if you sell a van, mm-hmm. right, the maximum you're going to get for it, depending on what you have in it, is probably one hundred and fifty k. I mean, we know somebody who sold their van for two fifty. Well, yeah, but, but you'd have to have a lot this is, in it. This is also we're talking about a van that is like top of the line top end van that sold for that type of money right i'm talking about a van that's kind of middle class is anywhere from like anywhere from 50 to 150 okay around in that ballpark no uh-huh. Does that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah so i think the value of selling the house would be a lot more yeah but i'm just you know if you could sell the van and then make your mortgage payments you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Or then But then you, you have no car. <laughs> Maybe you have another car. I don't know. But anyways, all these interesting articles. I'll sell all the car then. <laughs> <laughs> Just getting your juices pumping. We hope that you guys have enjoyed this episode. Frankie and I are both clearly losing our minds. It's been a really long day, and we need to still edit this and get it out for you guys so that you can enjoy it. But we're so glad to be doing it because, honestly, this podcast is super fun and we love it and we love the community around it. So if you're enjoying it, be sure to drop a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts so that we will keep them coming. Yeah, and don't forget to share it with a friend, share it with somebody that you think would be interested in it. It really helps the podcast grow and keeps us doing this for a living. And we absolutely love it. So we want to keep doing it. So help us out. Share it with the person that you want to live van life with. Thank you for listening and we'll talk to you guys soon. Have an F&A day. Everybody knows it's true. Band life, YouTube channel, what they do. Everybody's got to get money. Everybody's about to get money. Make sure you subscribe to their YouTube channel, FNA Van Life. All that.